My name is Peggy Moore, and I'm a candidate running for city council at large. I just want to say thank you to uh, the facilitators of this particular panel discussion for a very important moment. Um, so three things are very important to me. Number one, affordability. I want to live and work in Oakland. Number two, the relationship between the police and our community. So I support the commission. Number three, more importantly, the relationship that we have amongst each other. And I believe that Oakland is primed to be a restorative city. I believe it is our responsibility to pass legislation and do the work and engage with you so that we can offer the deliverables that you need here in Oakland. I also think it's important for us to pay attention to trends that are coming our way, just like the housing trend. The planned Bay Area indicated to Oakland that, in two, that, they, that we needed to build 14,000 new units between the years of 2007 and 2014, but we did not do that. We also said that for the middle class that we would need to build 3,200 new units, but we didn't do that either. What we did do was give out 22 permits, but that doesn't guarantee that anything was built. How do we get in front of the issues that we know that are coming before we get to the crisis? So I've been an activist in this community for 25 years, focusing on issues around healthcare, seniors, and also the LGBT community. I served, I have relationships statewide and national because I served as a political director for President Barack Obama. I'm an organizer to the core of my soul. I believe that engagement in the at-large seat is one of the most important things that we need to do. And I would love to have your support and continue talking about our vision. Thank you. Ms. Seidman. Good evening. Thank you for holding this forum tonight and letting us introduce ourselves to you. My name is Nancy Seidman. I've lived in Oakland since 1964. I went to Merritt College on Old Grove Street. I went to Cal State Hayward. So I'm very vested in Oakland and the community. We have a crisis in Oakland where we don't have representation in this city. A lot of action happens downtown, but it doesn't come to the whole city. We need to start fighting and joining each, each other as a unit to bring back Oakland that we know. We need to bring jobs back to Oakland. We need to bring businesses to Oakland. Yes, we need housing, but we have the housing. What we need are places to shop that we can afford and not be closed out and not go to San Leandro and Walnut Creek and all the other areas that most of us shop at. We need major changes here, and we need to come together as a unit. As a representative for the at-large position, I want to work with the community I don't want to worry about what the state and the federal government is doing because we need to make change at the local level before we can change anything else in this country. Because unless we bring it from the bottom up, nothing is going to change for us here. So I am looking here to represent you, to fight for you, to continue the work that I've been doing since 1982 as an activist here in Oakland and fighting on many issues and seeing many changes Many of you know who I am. Many of you know that I've run before. And I don't stop because I want you to understand that we need to fight 
And we need to fight for what the truth is, not for what we're being told it should be. Again, I am Nancy Seidbotham, and I'm here to, to represent you with your backing. Thank you. Good evening. Uh, my name is Bruce Kwan, and I am running for the City Council at-large seat. If you're ever here on a Friday night, uh, every fourth Friday I walk out of this church as part of Operation Ceasefire. So I'm very familiar with East Oakland. My family's been in Oakland since 1905. My great-grandfather founded the Chinatown in Oakland in 1906. And since the mid-70s, when I graduated from law school at Berkeley, I've been involved in Oakland politics, first starting out with Mayor Lionel Wilson, who asked me to be his connection to the Chinese community. Uh, in 1982, I was the assistant campaign manager for Tom Bradley here in Alameda County when he ran for governor. So I'm very familiar with the politics of Oakland. I came back to Oakland after I left my position as a law professor to try to make a difference in Oakland. I've been a civil rights attorney for 45 years, and I'm very well aware of the problems of Oakland. The affordability issue is a big issue for me. So in 2013, at the request of the city government, I brought in an investor to negotiate and invest in the Brooklyn Basin, which created 3,100 units, 460 units, affordable housing. I also brought in 8,000 new jobs that will be distributed over the next few years. I'm really concerned about Oakland, I care about Oakland, and I hope that you will consider casting your vote for me after you've heard what I've had to say. Thank you very much. Thank you. Now Rebecca Kaplan. Good evening. Thank you so much for having us here tonight and for taking the time to participate in our democracy. Let us together pursue justice for everyone in Oakland. My name is Rebecca Kaplan, and it has been my honor to serve as your city council member at large, fighting to serve and protect the people of Oakland, fighting successfully to pass laws protecting renters from displacement and excessive rent increases fighting to protect our community from air pollution and truck congestion and the high rate of asthma, fighting to keep neighborhood job centers open when they were threatened to be closed, and fighting for independent oversight of the police department so that we can have real accountability that will allow us to restore trust in our community. We deserve a city in which justice is not just about words, it's also about actions. That's why I've been fighting for the local small business assistance program for the East 14th International Corridor. That's why I've been fighting for funding for housing in our community and to stop the waves of displacement. Justice is something that we all should be dedicated to for our community. I am incredibly honored to have the endorsement of the Democratic Party, Pastor J. Alfred Smith Sr., the Alameda Labor Council, the California Nurses Association, the Oakland East Bay Democratic Club, and many others. I know that together we can continue to build this vital work that protects the communities of Oakland 
and provides economic opportunity, thank you so very much. I'd be honored to have your vote. So the first question, uh, Peggy Moore will start out. What are your plans for the homelessness along International Boulevard? I'm, I'm just devastated by the homeless level, but this is not new and over. This has been happening up and down International Boulevard for quite some time. And it's actually gotten worse for us. Um, and so I feel like what we need to do is this, this is an issue that, is, that includes the city as well as the county, but also the state. But even more importantly than that, also the city's realm. So my recommendation is that we have a power, a joint power of authorities so we can actually really dig in collectively to see how do we get this done? Because it seems like no one entity is really wanting to own the responsibility to get this done. This is not a new conversation. I think that for the homelessness to see our families so displaced and not have a place to go is disheartening. But we also have members of our community where being in the streets and being homeless is their safest place to go. So we gotta figure out what that proper balance is to be able to do what we need to do. But it needs to be cleaned up, we need to address it, and we need to make sure that we understand that, these, that everybody who is homeless is also a part of our whole community. Thank you. Ms. Seidoff. Yes, homelessness is a, a big issue here in Oakland today. And we've always had homeless people. It's been like an issue throughout the country over the years. But because we've lost so many jobs, and because the banking uh, individuals, banks out there have raised the interest rates on the housing and forced landlords to raise rates in order to, to uh, cover the mortgages, not that it's right, but it's forced people out of their homes and stuff. And we need to look at how we can help the homeless in Oakland, except that it has to come from the county level. They have the Health and Human Services Department that handles this. Oakland does not have that department. And we need to bring the county and ask them to take over and start handling this, like they did after the earthquake when they opened the San Pablo Hotel and the, John, and the uh, Henry Robinson building downtown. We need to start finding locations where people can go. Thank you. Thank you. In the city of Oakland, uh, in the flatlands, along the major corridors, MacArthur, San Pablo, uh, International Boulevard, and Telegraph Avenue, there are 47 acres of unbuilt land that can be used to house the homeless on a temporary basis. There is also, above 580, east of 580, 45 parcels owned by churches, temples, and synagogues, which comprise over 2 million unbuilt, 2 million square feet of unbuilt land. The city should be sitting down with the religious organizations and talking about how to solve some of these problems. The funds will come from the philanthropic organizations if we have a cohesive plan to present to them. Thank you. First of all, I think in order to solve it, we have to acknowledge that it is getting dramatically worse. And if we pretend that it isn't, we're not gonna fix it. The tent encampments that are being moved from one underpass to the next to a different corner and growing and growing have been getting worse. 
part of this is because the money the city was supposed to get from the state as part of the reentry funding did not arrive. So part of it is fighting for that money. But we also have to do more than just talk. We have to take action. That means admitting the city is spending a ton of money right now, shoving people from one underpass to the next. Instead, we could set up alternative sites where people would be allowed to go. And so when you say, will you leave this corner, we leave the street, this underpass, we have a place people can relocate to where we can provide sanitation and counseling and services. It means we need to really fight for enforcement of our local jobs policy because people are not getting employment and we have to insist on local hiring in our businesses so people don't have to be homeless. So the next question will be, and we'll start with Ms. Seipoffer for this. How will you ensure East Oakland residents are involved in negotiations for any possible Coliseum City development? How will you include community benefits in the development? Well, considering that the Coliseum is in East Oakland, it should be the East Oaklanders that get involved in that because downtown gets all the attention and they have most of the people working there. Very few, we hardly get any help out here in East Oakland. It's North Oakland and downtown that gets all the attention. So yes, if Coliseum City does get built, we need to be in the solution, not part of it, but in it. And so I'm very much for that. And uh, like I said before, we need to bring jobs, but we need permanent jobs, not jobs that are gonna last for six months and then they're over, because that's still not helping the homeless problem and the issues that we have in Oakland where people are looking for work and can't find it. And that's one reason we have such a high volume of crime is because these young men and women cannot find jobs. So I'm, I am very much behind East Oakland because we've been the forgotten part of the city of Oakland and we need to fight to get ourselves heard. Thank you. Let me uh, echo what Nancy has said. Uh, the community in which a project is to be placed should have a voice in that determination as to what kind of community benefits package should be included. Uh, currently I am part of something called the Chinatown Coalition. We are now negotiating with the Wood Partners on the 12th and Harrison property, working on a community benefits agreement with them. It's been fairly contentious. Uh, we have appealed to the city council to uh, correct the situation. So my position is that if there is a project in Coliseum City, that the local community should be involved as much as possible. Thank you. Um, well, since it is Wednesday night, what Isaiah would say in chapter 58 is that God is not impressed with your fasting and wailing if you're not actually helping the homeless and uplifting the people. And so I want to make sure that we take action to ensure that not only do the members of the community get a voice, but get the actual tangible benefits of this project get guaranteed access to jobs, get preference for local businesses, have hiring based on the surrounding area, the people living in the geographic area being given first priority for housing, as well as jobs as we are stepping this forward so that we lift up the voice of the community and we make sure we make it real, that the dollars and cents have to come back 
into the neighborhood. Thank you. Thank you. I believe Matt Hamill has joined us, and uh, I will repeat the question so you'll be able to answer it. Uh, how will you ensure East Oakland residents are involved in negotiations for any possible Coliseum City development? How will you include community benefits in the development? Hello, my name is Matt Hummel. I apologize for being late. I thank you for your time. Uh, the important thing, to, every time I go to the Coliseum, I look at it and I get angry about how much money we spent on destroying the building that's there already. And when, I, when we talk about putting more money onto that project, it must go towards local thing, to local initiatives. And, and I am concerned about having one big developer doing the whole thing. I would prefer it to be split down into, into more discrete group uh, projects with more uh, businesses having access to it. But I, I would ensure that there is a job training and then make sure that uh, there would be journeymen and, and jobs available for everyone and that, uh, that the proceeds that come out of it, instead of it costing us money, it need, needs to be a benefit for us instead of a $30 million a year uh, loss. Thank you. All right. And, oh, yes, almost forgot you. So one of the things I think that's been missing in this seat of at-large is engagement across the whole city on a regular basis, not just every now and then, but I think engagement across the city is important so that way we can have your voices at the table. It should not even be a question about should the community engagement, should the community's voice be heard for development. It should be a fact. It should be what happens all the time. But you have to be engaged with the community in order to set up some structure for that to happen. So every project that happens, not just a coliseum, the community's voice has to be heard. And not at the last minute, not when we're in a crisis, not when they get ready to pass it. We need to be there early and we need to be there often. But we also need to be a part of the vision of what it should look like. So when we're asking for benefits, we'll have better deliverables for our whole community. And the next question, we will start with uh, Mr. Kwan. What will you do to protect the small mom-and-pop rental property owners from losing their property if they cannot raise rents to meet their expenses? I may be the only uh, person at this table who has spoken with the small business and the small rental property owners. Uh, many of the people my age bought property, two or three units, as part of their retirement. And they've had a good relationship with their tenants. However, they are being tarred with the bad landlord because of the acts of a very few people. So if you look at my website, www.bruceforoakland.com, you will find that I'm talking about code enforcement. I'm talking about making sure that those people who commit the kind of things that shouldn't happen toward tenants should be punished. But those landlords, those small landlords who have a good relationship with their tenants should also be protected. Thank you. Ms. Kaplan. Thank you. Thank you. It is incredibly important that we protect our small mom and pop landlords. Many people 
bought duplexes and triplexes to live in and rent out one or two units as a way to afford to live here. And when I talk about having been the lead author of the renter protection measure that is on your November ballot, as such, I did meet with people and I did hear from people. And you know what they said? They said when an owner lives in a duplex or a triplex with their tenants, that's not the same as like some big corporate landlord. That's a different situation. You know each other, you have conversation. The same law shouldn't apply. And so as I worked with community to edit that law, what ended up on the ballot at my urging exempts owner-occupied duplexes and triplexes. So the small mom and pops will not be subjected to that and we will recognize that difference between that small human level relationship building in that situation as opposed to the kind of thing you need when you have a big absentee landlord. Thank you. For the last 20 years I've been working on construction here in Oakland and I've been working been hired in by many landlords to work on people's houses and fix them up and deal with uh, things that haven't been taken care of and ages, plumbing issues, all sorts of things. And I've seen bad landlords and I've seen good landlords. We need to, the people of Oakland definitely need the protection from the bad landlords. And I and I, I want to talk to the, the people that are good landlords out there and know that the protections that we we have created that we are creating uh, protect you as well. And and. And I want to, there's like, we're talking about things with the gold-plated changes to what happens in an apartment where, I've gone to a mini apartment where I, old Victorian housing, where, where it's all, the, the kitchen's gutted and, and uh, bad, uh, crummy cabinets put up in there as a replacement, and it's called an improvement so they can charge extra rent. It happens all the time. And, and we, we need to protect people uh, with their investments, but we also need to protect people with the renters as well. Thank you. Uh, I, I, I am grateful that, that we have the owner-occupied exemptions for the owner-occupied. I think that is very important um, in this new bill that is coming up that we have all opportunity to vote on in November. I live in a rent control building. Uh, and I just want to take a moment because my situation is my landlord is fabulous. He is not raising the rent. And he has several pieces of property in Oakland. And so I just want to shout them out because these are the folks that keep it affordable for a lot of people who could not afford to live. And so even when a person moves out of an apartment right now, he can easily take it all the way up to market rate, but he doesn't. And that's the kind of folks in our community that we need to celebrate even more. Because I feel like they do get a bad rap. So I'm glad that Occupy is, excuse me, the exemption for individuals who live in their apartments, great, I'm glad that exemption is there. But I also feel like we have a huge opportunity to be able to recognize those that are doing good in this community around this housing crisis. Thank you, the sidebar. I happen to be a landlord, and I'll give you a couple of examples of what kind of a landlord I am. I've got one tenant who has colon cancer, hasn't paid me rent in two years, and she's still living in her house. I have another tenant that lost her job, didn't pay me rent for six months. She'd been living in that house for 25 years. Did I kick her out? No. She managed to get a roommate. She's now paying me back the rent she still owes me. 
and she's still not paying me enough money to cover my mortgage, so I'm carrying her also. I have another tenant who pays me $600 a month and my mortgage is $1,300. She's a disabled vet. She's been there for 32 years. So when you're talking about the mom and pop landlords, there's a lot of us out there. And there aren't people in the city that understand what it is we do working with our community and what we fight for. So letting you know that we need to seriously look at what, what the tenants, because we have tenants that don't reciprocate either. So it works both ways. So we can't continue to condemn one side without looking at the other. Next question, we'll begin with um, Ms. Kaplan, I believe. Okay, what are the top five characteristics or skills you want in the new police chief? How will you impact the process for selection of a new chief to ensure that your priorities are met? The new police chief has to have deep and abiding respect for the community. That is absolutely crucial. You know, it is not the case that all police are bad, and it's not even the case that most police are bad. But when we have a fundamental lack of connection and respect, that undermines the relationship, and we cannot allow things like the current scandal that we keep hearing more and more about. We can't allow things like that to go without response. We need a chief who is dedicated to the well-being of Oakland, and will put that ahead of political gain or personal gain, that they will put the needs of the community ahead of their personal gain, and that they will put accountability ahead of making themselves look good. They have to care more about serving and protecting the community than they care about building their own reputation. They have to be someone who, and they will be well paid, but they have to be ready to truly devote themselves to protecting the people of Oakland. Mr. Hummel. The five, thing, the five things I, I, I think that are very important are integrity, transparency, uh, someone's ready to implement a 21st century training uh, system, uh, crisis intervention training is essential for all mandatory for all PD. Right now it's not uh, a mandatory thing. And we, they need to be willing to, re, to rebuild the OPD from the ground up. They need to know that uh, it is dirty and, and, and rotten to the core, and needs to and people need to like go through it with a with a fine tooth comb and, and pick up what's good. And there there is a lot of good and a lot of good that's been working on recently, but and, and work beyond that. But as it is right now, with the, uh, the 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 scandal going going through right now, where I'm sure the brass were involved with with, with covering all this up. And we have not heard, we have not seen real, uh, what the word, we, real uh, honesty from <laughs> and, and, and transparency from this process at all. Okay. Thank you. Uh, but there's a few things. I think that we, we need someone who is adult enough, mature enough, a leader that can help to rebuild trust between the community and the police department. Someone who actually can be a leader amongst the police department and really hold them accountable to really to deliver better services for us. I believe they have to understand implicit bias. How do we see each other? What does that look like? How am I making this decision and call and lead from that place? 
I believe that absolutely respect for everybody in this community, but also has an understanding of restorative justice. So we can actually have a restorative city so we can begin to heal. We need a leader, we need someone who is transparent, and we need somebody who really gets and understands the needs of this community. And they are complex and they are deep. And is willing to clean that place out. I mean, clean the walls, clean the carpet. We do this system. It's going to take a while for us to do that. But it's also going to be somebody that we as a whole community trust and will help to support to be successful. Thank you. Yes, sir. We have 400,000 people in the city of Oakland. And yet we're going outside of the city of Oakland to look for a new police chief. We have 400 to 700 officers. And out of those officers, there are dedicated officers that we should be looking at to be our police chief. They are from the community. They understand the community. And many of us that work with OPD through the neighborhood crime prevention councils and neighborhood watch know who these officers are. We need to start looking from within and stop going outside the city and bringing people in here that do not understand Oakland. And the officers that we hire to be chiefs don't have the respect of the rank and file. We need to start looking at where we're going with all of this. This is part of the problem. And we need to make sure that the chief that we hire is fully involved and vested in community policing. I grew up in this city in the 1950s, and since the 1950s, when I was growing up, we were harassed by the police. That is, if you were from a community of color, the day didn't go by that you weren't harassed. What we need is somebody who understands the cross-cultural nuances of a police department. We don't need a police department that has a warrior mentality. That's what we've had for the last 50 or 60 years. For the last two years that I've been involved with OCO and here with Operation Ceasefire, we've been talking about a community-based training program, a guardianship, a relationship with the community that there's a healthy respect between the police and the community. And that chief, everybody has echoed what the chief should be. That chief also needs to understand our communities. Thank you. Thank you. That takes care of all the questions we have time for. So now we will have closing statements. We will start at the end of the table with Mr. Ham Hummel and work our way back. One minute. Everywhere we turn these days, we see another instance of law enforcement officers taking the law into their own hands and taking the life of another black person. We all know this has been going on forever and it's not new. But the trauma experience in our communities must be addressed. Our police are not being held accountable. OPD officers aren't even required at this point to receive crisis intervention training, a program, that, a program that's made, proven to make a difference. It, it must be mandatory. All 50 recommendations from the Stanford study must be implemented in a timely fashion as the mayor has promised. We need, we, but we need to stop having the police uh, try to solve all our problems. We must go much deeper. Economic forces and systemic racism must be addressed. We need new solutions. Toxic loans and greedy, made by greedy private banks 
wreaked ha havoc on our, our most vulnerable communities. We have the power to stop this today. We need to create a public bank of Oakland. Currently, our deposits go to Chase Manhattan, and, and if we chartered our own bank, all those deposits could be locally uh, funding local projects. Uh, I've been working with uh, public banking experts and the local cannabis industry and to bring that money into uh, the bank, and we could actually bring, have all that money going to do here. Thank you. I, I really need your vote this uh, November 8th. Thanks. Good evening again, and thank you for taking the time. Oakland needs people in leadership who have both the courage to stand up for our community and the ability to work with the council to pass real actions. In my time on the city council, I have successfully fought for and won money for vital projects in our community. And right now, young people in our schools are getting free bus passes because of programs we fought for and won. Right now, neighborhood job centers are open that were going to close because of votes that we fought for and won. We fought for a local contracting policy to support our local businesses and a disparity study to fix the racial inequity in city contracting. I would be honored to have your vote to continue to stand up and fight hard for the needs of Oakland. I'm proud to be endorsed by Sandre Swanson, the majority of the city council, the Alameda Labor Council, and many others. And together, let us continue to strengthen our great city. Thank you. Good evening. First, let me thank you for taking your time to come out and hear us talk about our hopes and aspirations for this city. I'm uh, not a professional politician. I'm a civil rights attorney. I've been doing this for 45 years. I've represented the underrepresented, mostly immigrant families and senior citizens. But when, at the age of 70, I can admit that, um, I came full-time to live in Oakland, I found a different Oakland. I found an Oakland that hasn't done what it should be doing. It's a woulda, coulda, shoulda city that goes to the brink of success and then pulls back for some reason. That's why in 2013, I brought that investor in to try and spark some economic development. That's why I walk in East Oakland every Friday to stop gun violence. And that's why I'm trying to work in the Chinese community to try to bring more economic development, to try to get rid of graffiti, to try to have cleaner streets. So I would be honored to have your vote come November 8th. Thank you very much. Yes, sir. I'm running because I believe in Oakland. I love the city. I love the, my neighbors, the people, the diversity. And I have seen the hard work that neighbors and community have done to try to protect and fight for this city and bring back the prosperity that we all remember at one time that Oakland had. We need to stop coming up with new ideas because we can get grant money for it. And forget about what needs to be fixed, which is the infrastructure of Oakland, our streets, our sewers. We need to stop charging people taxes and claiming that we're going to do, build more housing and we're going to do all these new things and yet nothing gets done and we have no answers as to where the money is going. 
Oakland needs to have an outside audit to find out where our money is being spent. I ask for your vote November 8th. Thank you for having me. My name is Peggy Moore, and I would love to have your vote. I am running for city council at large because I think it's time to revision it. I want to go back to the basics. I want us to be able to connect with each other again. I want to be able to engage across the city because I believe the at-large seat is that seat that can do that. And we can tell the story of the whole city and not just be about one district, but all of the districts. There is so much great stuff that is happening in Oakland, and yet we still have an opportunity to do so much good stuff. International Boulevard, the living room, this is not new to us. This has been around for a long time. People have been complaining about this forever. It's just become more of a crisis. So if we don't get back to the basics, if we do not prioritize making sure that our streets are clean and our neighbors are taken care of, then what are we doing? If we are not restoring this community back to our core values of good, what are we doing? That's the leader I am. That's the leader I want to be for the city. And I'm asking you for your vote. Thank you. Thank you very much to all the candidates and for the audience. And um, I would say, just as a reminder, voting day is November 8th this year. and the deadline to register to vote is October 24th. If you have moved or changed your name or wish to change your party affiliation since you last registered, you need to do that by October 24th. 